and not every student uh, is made for college. And I think if you have a plan and um, you want to be an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, and there's a, a plan for you to not just land on a college campus and think, okay, I'm here to check the box because my mom and dad say I need to go to college or society says I need to go to college. I think that's great if that's meant for you. But there are a lot of kids that truly are just going and they're lost and they really don't wanna be there. This is the Team of a Lifetime show. I'm your host, Sally Love, and I have helped hundreds of leaders in industrial manufacturing, construction, and on capital projects of up to $24 billion transform their failing or mediocre teams into exceptional teams. Teams that delivered results that people didn't even believe were possible. And that's what the Team of a Lifetime show is all about. Success stories, successful team approaches, and lessons learned to help you transform your team into the Team of a Lifetime. Amanda Osborne joins me today on the Team of a Lifetime show. Amanda is the Talent Acquisition Manager for BNK Building Group. Amanda is so knowledgeable about the workforce shortage that's impacting the construction industry today. And she has a deep passion for reviving construction programs in our high schools and investing in the youth in colleges to solve the shortage. Welcome to the Team of a Lifetime show, Amanda. Hey, Sally. It's great to be here. I'm excited and I appreciate you having me today. I know that you have a lot of insight and a lot of wisdom about what's been going on in the construction industry, and you'll be able to help us look ahead at what might be coming in the construction industry so that we can prepare ourselves. So I'm excited about our conversation. I am too, Sally, and it's good to see you. I got to tell you, as we sit here and chat, you totally are taking me down memory lane. It's so hard to believe that it's been, gosh, 20 some odd. I'm going to take a wild stab and say 23, 24 years since ago, since we first met. Yes. Um, when I initially cut my teeth in the industry with Beers Construction out of Atlanta, just reminds me of some of my greatest mentors in the industry. Just have tremendous amount of respect for you and everything you have trailblazed as a woman in the industry over the years. And I'm just excited to get together with you today. You're very kind. We have so many mutual friends from those days, way back when, 23, 24 years ago. We had a lot of fun then. We did, yes. How did you actually end up in the construction industry? I was 27 years old. I worked for Kemper Insurance, and they were moving their headquarters to Long Grove, Illinois, and closing the Atlanta office. And so I thought, you know, okay, what in the world am I going to do with myself now? I had wanted to pursue human resources, but had just never taken the jump. And so I applied with this construction company, Beers Construction, in downtown Atlanta in uh, 1997. And they hired me for the position. And I started out as their in-house recruiter and then got some more exposure to the generalist side of things from performance management and benefits, not payroll experience at that time, got the position. And I'll never forget my first day with beers. There was a general superintendent that had been brought into the office. He had asbestos on his project. 
And he looked at me and he said, who are you and what are you going to be doing? And I said, I'm the new in-house recruiter. I'm going to be a part of the HR team. And he said, good to meet you. I tell you what, we've never had a you. And if you're going to do that, you need to know our business. Show up tomorrow morning at 630 with a pair of steel toe boots. I've got your hard hat and vest and you're going to learn the business. Show up at the job site by seven and traffic is no excuse to me. See you at 630 tomorrow. And I thought, oh my goodness. Uh, yes, sir. I'll be here. But I thought, what in the world? Who is this gruff guy? That gruff guy, Junior Peak, bless him, he's retired in Palmetto now, but he uh, ended up being my greatest mentor. I learned so much from him, and I think of him to this day from an operational standpoint and just getting a grassroots knowledge of the business. He was my greatest mentor, but that's how I, I uh, initially started in the business. So did you actually meet him that next morning and go out I on the job site? <laughs> yes, I learned about uh, retaining walls and precast. And yeah, we walked multiple jobs. Um, at the time, Beers was doing a lot of um, work with Emory and Piedmont. They were known for a lot of um, health care at the time. And they were doing about $400 million in volumes, which was during those days was pretty good. But they were responsible for a lot of what is the makeup of downtown Atlanta. But yeah, walked a lot of jobs with Junior. We went on about six or eight probably job site walks over the first weeks and months of my employment there. And yeah, think of him to this day. Do you believe that he was excited about taking you on those job sites? He absolutely was. He absolutely was. And he, just like a lot of the superintendents that I work with today at B&K that are seasoned superintendents, they are thirsty to share their knowledge because we've seen such a deficit of superintendents throughout the years because a lot of students in CM programs have been driven more towards the project management career track. Every solid superintendent that carries their weight and has a good uh, reputation in the business, just really, they're all passionate about sharing their knowledge and everything that they've learned because no one job is is ever the same and they want to hand off that knowledge before they hit retirement. When you think about it, the work that people do in the construction industry It's really underestimated, in my opinion. It takes a lot of skill to build these facilities. And I don't think we give enough credit to the craftspeople out there that are actually making that happen. You are so right. Uh, A lot of these seasoned superintendents, they didn't go to college. Their knowledge and their education has been through coming up, building great projects and having mentors mentor them. And, and as far as our subcontractors and trades, a lot of general contractors years ago actually self-performed work more than they do today. But at the end of the day, our subs are our lifeline and we're all one team and family. Yes, from a staffing perspective, definitely the trades have been hit more than anything over the years. And there's been a huge deficit on the trade side as well from a staffing standpoint. What have you seen as the biggest challenges over the span of your career since you started in the construction industry? I think that we could have done a better job of of mentoring superintendents. It's been pitched in, in an incorrect way because the superintendents really run the project. If you think about any owners that that come back and ask for repeat work with you, they're asking for that superintendent because they want that superintendent on their next project. 
And I think we as an industry have done ourselves a disservice by not putting the education out there and driving that within the workforce. But it's really started at the education level in a lot of the CM programs because their pitch is more driven towards the project management career track. And that is due to technology. I actually was just given a presentation on this yesterday, Sally. When you think about the industrial revolutions, what does that tell us? That tells us that um, change is inevitable. I'll never forget giving my daughter her first cell phone at the age of 12. And when I put it in her hand, I said, you know what this is called? This is called a paper map. This is called a payphone. You better have a quarter. This is called uh, Webster's Dictionary. And of course, she thinks I was born in 1905, um, but things change. And so technology has changed within the industry. However, with that, it just goes back to we haven't put as much focus on the superintendent role and it's hurting us now. What kind of education or training specifically do you think would help the superintendents in their role? I think that... From uh, an education standpoint, really, it's at a grassroots community level within our high schools. If you remember back, Kelly, I can tell you, in 1988, when I graduated high school, my hair was the size of this room. People were coming out of trade schools and technical schools left and right, remember? And we've watched that in itself deteriorate. And that's hurt us. And not every student uh, is made for college. And I think if you have a plan and um, you want to be an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, and there's a, a plan for you to not just land on a college campus and think, okay, I'm here to check the box because my mom and dad say I need to go to college or society says I need to go to college. I think that's great if that's meant for you. But there are a lot of kids that truly are just going and they're lost and they really don't want to be there. And I think it starts at the high school level. Sally, these kids don't know what they don't know. And it is getting these construction programs back into the high schools. And I've seen a huge uptick in that over the last handful of years, which has been tremendous. And there's been a surge in programs such as what was SEFCA, Construction Education Foundation of Georgia here in Georgia for years is now known as Construction Ready that Scott Sheilar runs. That program has exploded. It's backed by Arthur Blank with Home Depot, as well as a lot of the key GCs and subs throughout the Atlanta market. But it's pushing funding and this initiative towards the trades and giving these kids an opportunity but I think it truly starts at investing more time within our communities and showing these kids at the high school level the opportunity that's there and that they can come out of high school and go to a trade and make a great living. And guess what? You're going to be debt free versus the student that goes to college and comes out with your standard business degree and they're not even going to use it. And they're trying to still flounder their way through. So again, Colleges for some, it's not for others, but I think that showing these kids at, you know, an early age is, is imperative. What are you seeing inside the high schools that are progressive that are really trying to introduce students to the construction industry? Locally, I can speak to, so I live in Columbus, Georgia, just a couple hours outside of Atlanta. 
And there's a couple of local high schools here that have implemented heavy equipment operating programs, welding programs, framing, and they go and compete at the SkillsUSA competition and also are affiliated with Construction Ready as well. And I follow a number of people online through LinkedIn, and I'm seeing things really all around the country that are about programs reviving the trades. Those are the two biggest things out there. That early education of getting them started early into a trade that they can instantly start building great living for themselves with a great base salary and start investing when they're 401ks for the future. And they don't even have to think twice about any debt uh, with these programs that are out there that are actually free programs. What kind of recruiting challenges do you have? So as far as recruiting challenges, Sally, the ABC released a report this year that we're lacking over 500,000 people in the industry. And that's a challenge, <laughs> to say the least. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. When, why do we have such a high number? We've seen it coming throughout the years. And the reason that we're here is because of those things that we've already discussed from the education standpoint. And a lot of that is behind the surge in technology. And as I said earlier, from the industrial revolution standpoint, things are changing. We don't build today the same way we built in the 60s and 70s. And that's continuing to change. And while technology is on the rise, we still need people that have masonry skills, that have electrical hands-on skills at the trades level to do these projects. And with that surge in technology from the education standpoint at the campus level, that's where these kids have been fed. And so they have not wanted to get their hands dirty, so to speak, because they have been driven more towards you can sit behind a computer and be a project manager and run this project. And so that in and of itself is, I would say, the largest percentage of why we are where we are today in the industry. Where's the construction industry going to go from here? What do you think the landscape looks like over the next, say, five to 10 years? I think technology is just going to continue uh, to increase and make us better, make us more efficient. But it's about making that change We've got a lot of seasoned superintendents that are on the market and outside of that, just seasoned individuals and the high percentage of people across the board, and I see this every day, Sally, that are kissing retirement. And you've got that level of workforce that is leaving or preparing to leave within the next five years. And those percentages are staggering, coupled with what we haven't mentored within the industry. And so that is going to continue to hurt us if we don't do something from there. When you see a progressive construction company in this area of hiring and training and educating people, what separates them from the non-progressive companies out there? What are the biggest differences? Those are the contractors that are doing the large, sexy stadiums, big high-rises, just really big projects. 
500 million and above mm -hmm. uh, in, in dollar volume size yeah. project. So project size, culture, are they progressive? Are they offering work-life balance? A lot of these kids, they watch their parents both work their fingers to the bones and with a high rate of divorce. And they've said, hey, that's not what I want for myself. I'm going to work hard. And I think we tend to, with this generation, and Sally, I work with a lot of interns. I think with this generation, we tend to say, oh, it's this generation. They don't have the work ethic. And I think that's incorrect. I think the work ethic is there, something different than what their parents had. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. So these companies that are progressive uh, from that aspect, from work-life balance, culture within the company, and project size, those are the three key things that the youth are looking for today in a company. At BE&K, we invest a lot in our interns and it's so fun to have our interns leave at the end of the summer and look at me and say, on a team's call, look at me and say, Amanda, I learned more this summer than I have in the last two years at school. That is totally the biggest return on investment that we can ask for in a company because we want to pick them up after graduation. And yeah. so we're investing in them. They're investing in an opportunity for the summer to get to know us. And yeah. So I definitely think it's the youth. And it's great that y'all are investing in interns because the interns can sit in a college class and think they understand certain things about the industry, but it's only when they get out there and they're, they've got boots on the ground, as you say, and they're getting their hands dirty and they're seeing the certain situations that arise. That's where the real learning takes place. And then I imagine that they're able to then go back and do the next semester or the next year of school. And they're even better students for having that opportunity at B&K. Yes, you're absolutely right. And it's so fun to watch them flourish and and take the knowledge and then come back for another summer. I actually had a couple of interns this past summer and they thought they wanted to be project managers and our superintendents changed their minds and now they want to be supers. I'm a little biased to superintendents, <laughs> but yeah, but so I love that, of course. Yeah. yeah. Where would any of our construction jobs be if we didn't have great superintendents? Yes, that's absolutely right. I'm curious, when you go onto a college campus and you're recruiting, what are some of the questions that the students ask you when they really don't have much experience yet at all about construction? They actually want to know about our culture. They want to know about the company. They tend to want to stay closer to home these days versus being the nomad, of course, that we're looking for because we're in construction and we go where the, our clients take us. Mm -hmm. And locations are key to the students. It's really culture and what you can offer them as far as growth. Because I just go back to they don't know what they don't know. And they're very open. Most of them are pretty open-minded about coming in uh, and learning. Uh, but then you have some, especially the ones that with their father was a superintendent and they know for a fact that's what they want to do. Um, but it, it varies. But I would say culture stands out the most. Hmm. That's really very encouraging because I would say when you were getting your start in construction, people didn't talk about culture very much then. And I think we've come a long way in a lot of regards as far as culture. 
I think so too. For example, at you know at BNK, we pride ourselves on a family-oriented culture. We're going through a growth period right now, and it's imperative. And we work really hard that we hang on to that because we we build good teams, and those good teams make for our repeat work. And while we have the volume of repeat work with our clients that we do, so it's truly everything at our core. So yeah, because repeat business is the lifeblood of a construction company. It truly is. Yeah. Yes. For sure. When companies are focusing on culture, what are some of the things that really help with retention? Knowing that you're investing in them as an employee. It actually starts at the onboarding process. I'm the first voice that they hear from their initial interview, how I pitch the company and why I work for the company, it starts there. And then through the interview process, getting them, once the offer's accepted and we're going through the onboarding process with a new hire, it starts there and how we bring them in. And, and they're going to know that, look, we take your performance and growth seriously. We do performance evaluations twice a year, um, one mid-year and one end of the year so that everybody's on the same page and there's opportunity to continue to grow with the company um, for the future. But investing in the employee at the performance and training level, as well as company outings, community involvement, just small things, sending them a birthday card, just sometimes, especially when as a company gets larger, they can tend to lose grip of that, of that culture. And those small things go a very long way. And this is a very hard business, Sally. It is. It can be nonstop, high pressure when you're running a project and you've got rain delays and things of that nature. So there's a lot of stress that comes with this business. And that's why those small things go a long way with the employee because it's showing them that the feudal lords in the ivory tower actually do care about you that are boots on the ground because that job site is keeping the lights turned on in the corporate office and that the management team is aware of that. And that's really all that matters at the end of the day. People want to know that they matter. And so those types of things that you just shared, those are indicators. Those are signals that Hey, we care about you. We care about you. We care about your future. We care about your growth and even your family. Yes. And who doesn't want to work for a company where they feel like I matter? Absolutely. And for example, one of the things that we champion that's first and foremost with us as a company is safety. And that obviously speaks volumes for a number of reasons, but we want you and everyone on the job to go home safe. Absolutely. Yes. Nothing tells somebody that they matter more than safety. That's right. Yep. That's a huge part of who we are. So as we wrap up our time together today, Amanda, what is just one last piece of wisdom you'd like to share about the construction industry? It's just a fun business because you're always learning nothing's the same. No one day is ever the same in whatever aspect that you work in the business, be it safety, estimating, HR, nothing is ever the same in one day. So there's just lots to learn and it's a great career, no matter what path you want to take, if it's construction management or in the field at the trade level, there's just lots of opportunity out there. And we just need to continue 
to spread that word and share it with the youth to continue to build for the future. Hey, thank you for being here today on this important conversation. If this was valuable to you, will you share it? And let me know what questions you have about developing exceptional teams. And you might just hear your answer right here in the future. Join me next week for another episode of the Team of a Lifetime Show.